0: Hello and welcome to Paleo Cinema Podcast 262. My name is Terry Frost and it's time for another music episode. Yes, I couldn't pick movies so I decided to do another music episode. Uh, it's going to be film music, it's going to be singing actors, it's going to be stuff that's totally unrelated to film, music and films. But I kind of want to do things that I think will would look good in a film. Uh, I think tracks that would be really cool to have in a movie but maybe haven't yet had that opportunity. So sit back, I will get the contact details out of the way, and I will start playing the platters. Paleo Cinema Podcast is a podcast of old movie appreciation. There's only a couple of rules here. The first one is the movie has to be at least 20 years old, and it's a rule I break occasionally. And the second rule is I have to find some interesting things to say about it. Uh, feedback is very important to the podcast so you can offer it a couple of ways you can offer some at feedbackpaleo at gmail.com you can go to the Paleo Cinema cafe on facebook and also or you can send me an owl if you went to hogwarts you can even support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash paleocinema and donating as little as one dollar us per month Just be aware with the podcast, I may swear occasionally, so you might not want to let your kids hear it if you don't want them to pick up filthy words with Australian pronunciation. Okay, so how have you been? Yes, I know it's been three weeks and I apologise for it not coming out fortnightly as usual. But I kind of went on a bit of a slump, so until I get out of that, things may be slightly irregular and I do apologise for that. I'm working on it, but um, hopefully a bit of sunshine and a bit of summer weather, which we're starting to get will help me with that so you know fingers crossed um yeah i I went on the slump partly because i did the interview with abc radio darwin which was a kind of biographical interview about uh, my life and my history and and some nasty things that happened in my childhood and it put me on a little bit of a down um i don't regret doing it but it just kind of reliving that stuff will always have an effect and that kind of happened but i'm back on the mend i kept the uh youtube videos up the last one was about bingeable 1970s science fiction tv shows and that got a really nice response so i'm quite pleased with that if you haven't already you can go to terry talks movies on youtube and subscribe if you do watch it and you haven't subscribed yet Think about subscribing because it does help. When I get to a 1,000 subscribers, and I'm at 551 at the moment, I get to start monetizing the thing. And that's going to benefit you because I'll be able to pay for some decent movies to watch Um, and a few other bits, a bit of technological upgrade, that kind of stuff. I'm going to plow whatever I make from it, and it probably won't be very much, at least at the start, back into the creatives. And um, that I'm looking forward to doing that. The big thing that's happened at least locally and, and probably on a planetary basis as well since the last time I did this podcast is that Disney Plus opened up and people could start subscribing to it. Now, it was cheap enough for me to get a 12-month subscription that it was worth doing. It was like eight bucks Australian per month over the 12 months. So I bit the bullet and got it because there are some older things there I want to access. I want to access the new... Marvel stuff that's going to be coming out on that platform. And so I did that. You might know from previous podcasts, I'm not the biggest fan of Disney in this clay and granite planet, but I did um, want to see something So actually, thought I'd give this a go. I, I watched two episodes of The Mandalorian, the kind of Star Wars spin off with uh, Pedro Pascal in it, um, which is kind of in the same universe, but not directly related to the main pretty ordinary offerings that we've had cinematically um I didn't like it now I've got friends who are big Star Wars fans who didn't like it either it's kind of there's there's no effect with it there's no emotional engagement with it there's a lot of fan service there's a lot of eye candy there's some really nice special effects and things like that But it's curiously unengaging. Now, I was going to give this a go and I was going to kind of view it as a standalone, leaving aside the baggage that I have with the uh, Star Wars universe. And I couldn't. I think I'm going to keep watching it to see whether it does pick up. Two episodes are sometimes not enough. But the idea of having a protagonist whose face you never see is kind of self-limiting in a weird way. And um, yeah, he's a bounty hunter, he goes and hunts people, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of character arc there for him during the season, they'd be fucking stupid if they didn't, but it is curiously flat, and I'm not sure why, I mean, I know a lot of people are kind of gushing over it, because there is that hard wiring you get when you've kind of, fall in love with something when you're a kid and it stays with you forever and you're kind of locked into what it is, whether it be a Catholic church or whether it be a Star Wars franchise. But I think that if they're going to be doing this, the least they could do, the very, very least they could do, is make it more than it would be if you were just doing fan service and merch opportunities. And two episodes in, it really isn't doing that. Now, I kind of did error check this with some other people, and they're they're pretty much of the same mind as well. The nice thing is there's a lot of HD stuff and um, ultra HD stuff on there. So it makes full use of my 55-inch TV. Um, I did watch a couple of other things on there. I watched a couple of old favourites, Disney movies that I actually like, which were The Three Caballeros and Saludos Amigos, which were both from 1942 and 1944. And they look great. I mean, they were a lot of fun to revisit. I love the animation in them. I like the fact that the viewpoint is not just American culture; it's North and South American culture, and it kind of worked for me. Uh, There are a a couple of bits that kind of are very nineteen forties, but it's surprisingly engaging. It really does work. I've talked about Three Caballeros on the podcast before, and. Rewatching watching it. I can probably re- re-watch it every, every year and enjoy it. Uh, it's just, the music's great. The music is for the most part, more in th- the Three Caballeros than in Saludos Amigos. Is kind of original music from the region. The music in Saludos Amigos is less so. But they got people like Ari Barroso to do the music for the Three Caballeros. Um, and, and it kind of works. Having that cultural depth really does help the animators went all out on this one it's just a they're both lush looking films and they do try to do things in slightly different styles there are some bits where it looks like chalk drawings on a um on a black background it's it's just a a lusciously lovely and musically engaging couple of films So it's nice to see they've got a bit of historic stuff there. I also watched a couple of episodes of the 1990 Silver Surfer TV animated series, and that's a little bit stiff, but it's kind of nice seeing it there. Very different take on Thanos than the MCU went with. But um, I kind of like it. I like the Jack Kirby-style artwork in the background, but it is very limited animation. They didn't have a lot of money to play with on this one, and it was before the Marvel stuff became the monster it is and that was kind of fun too it it kind of worked for me now I've been watching stuff apart from Disney Plus and I'm just going to bring up my letterbox now and remind myself what I've been watching Um, I did Die Hard 2 that's the first thing because Rebecca McLaren and I it's the last time we get to talk this year and we thought we'd do the Christmas movie But last year we did Die Hard. So Die Hard 2, of course, is another Christmas movie. And so we decided to do Die Hard 2. That's going to be recorded as I speak this afternoon. But I watched Die Hard 2, the Renny Harlan movie, and it's still fun. Uh, William Sadler makes a nice villain, though he isn't anywhere near as charismatic and slimily engaging as Alan Rickman was in the first one. But the effects in the stunt work make it work. Um, It really is fun having John McClane there again before he jumped the shark, probably after the third one, I think. Uh, The Samuel L. Jackson thing worked, but then after that, you had this crazy law of diminishing returns and stupidity entering the franchise. So the first three, yeah, they're gold, Uh, but from then on, not so much. Uh, They're talking about rebuilding the franchise with a younger John McClane kind of doing a retcon and a kind of historic thing on it. Not sure that's going to work, but, you know, they'll probably do it anyway. Uh, the other thing, too, yeah, I should, re- yeah, they're thinking about doing prequels to Chinatown as a TV series with uh, Jake Gittes in it. Of course, you're not going to have Jack Nicholson there unless somebody drags him out of his mansion and decides to mocap and de-age him. But I'm fairly sure they're not going to do that. But um, I'll be interested to see it. I think there's a lot of story there. There's a lot of story in the history of Los Angeles in the first half of the 20th century to make it workable. If they get the right showrunners in there, they get the right writers, get the right actors. You can do it with special effects really well now. And so there's a possibility there that they're going to make a kind of interesting series from that so we'll just see how that one goes so i watched a few other things as well there's a nice little thriller called escape room which came up i think on my netflix or it could have been my amazon prime uh which was a lot of fun it's basically about um an escape room which is not what it seems it's actually something they stream to rich bastards who like watching people die and a whole crew of, of diverse people get into an escape room, escape to the next room, and then find more perils there. It's imaginatively done, and it's not big money kind of stuff, but it is um, a bit of fun to enjoy if you're in the mood for that kind of thing, and the special effects kind of make it work. Uh, let's see, what else to I watch? I re Paris when it sizzles with William Holden and Audrey Hepburn, which is always a bit of a joy. I think it kind of dopplers off at the yeah third quarter of it third and fourth quarter of it but i like the concept of a screenwriter who's got a weekend to write a script that he's been pissing away his time and not writing i can kind of identify with that kind of procrastination but um it's a lot of fun nice music to nelson riddle does a really nice score for it um william holden and audrey hepburn have a hell of a chemistry there Uh, and it's got old Coward in it as well. You get a cameo from Marlena Dietrich. You get all sorts of other wonderful stuff there. It's um, a romantic comedy that's meta, and I've talked about it on the podcast, and revisiting that was a lot of fun. Turned up on Amazon Prime, so thank you, Amazon Prime, and it was um, just a joy to watch. Okay, what did I watch then? Uh, Young Einstein. I watched Young Einstein, the Yahoo Serious movie from the 1990s, because we're doing uh, Oz music, music Month, Australian Music Month, on the ABC radio gig. And we thought we'd do something that had a lot of Australian music in it. And uh, we went with Young Einstein. Um, it hasn't aged well, to be honest with you. It's um, kind of, you know, a kind of physical comedy kind of thing. It's silly, it's of its time, meaning it's fucking ordinary. Uh, I didn't enjoy it anywhere near as much as uh, Beck did, but um, we did that anyway for the radio gig. I uh, also saw the Fritz Lang movie M. I watched it all the way through for the first time with uh, Peter Laurie in it. And I'm going to do that for the next Paleo Cinema. I'm going to find another movie to match with it. And I haven't quite found that movie yet, but I'm leaving that one aside and we'll discuss it next time around. I did see a really nice uh, alligator movie. There's always, you know, an alligator movie is always a bit of fun. Uh, Crawl from 2019 really works nicely. It's got Barry Pepper in it. Uh, Sam Raimi was the producer. Some nice physical and computer effects there about a young woman who's trapped underneath a house during a um, hurricane and the levees are broken and the water's starting to flood into the house. And there are a whole bunch of really nasty alligators under there with her. It kind of works. It's, um, it's a bee picture. I would call it a bee picture. And, uh, yeah, the, there's a nice protagonist. Uh, and, yeah, uh, check it out, is what I'd say. It was one of Sal's selections. She decided to watch it because she's got this thing for crocodile and alligator movies. And Crawl kind of hit all the marks. It really did work. Then we watched a comedy, a very transgressive comedy, about a group of three tween boys who get invited to a kissing party and have to learn how to kiss. And they kind of get into all sorts of weird adventures. There's some very transgressive stuff in there, Um, which I'm not going to spoil, Check out the trailer if you want to get a teaser for that one. But it is funny. It kind of works. And it's got a little bit more heart and depth than the the trailer indicates. It's uh, an interesting little piece. Very funny. I laughed out loud in a couple of places. And, um, yeah, (laughs) they find some unusual allies. They find some unusual enemies. They um, wreck a drone, which is always a bit of fun and have to get it replaced. They have to find a way to replace one of the kid's dad's drones before he gets back from a weekend away. Uh, Yeah, it it kind of works nicely, and the jokes land lovely. Then I went out of the comfort zone for an Indian science fiction film from a year or two ago called 2.0 which is balls-to-the-wall crazy. It comes from a totally different culture, so the cultural viewpoint is um, very much different. It's from Southern India. It's a Tamil movie, and it's a sequel to Entharan from 2010, which is about a scientist who invents a humanoid robot. Um, there's a villain who takes over all the mobile phones in the area, and all everyone's mobile phone flies up into the air, and becomes part of this kind of group mind of um, mobile phones. So there are like millions and millions of mobile phones, which turn into a tidal wave along a, a street. Uh, it's basically all visuals. Uh, I'm sure that it's very funny from a South Indian point of view. And it stars a 60-something-year-old Indian actor, who's quite famous, called Rajin Kanth Khanth, sorry, it's hard to pronounce that name, I apologise. And uh, you should check that one out. It did turn up on my, I think, Amazon Prime Queue or Netflix. Check it out, it'll be there. It's called 2.0. And it, it is a lot of fun. Ends in, ah, the title sequence has, a, the end title sequence, has a really nice Bollywood dance piece in it. The special effects kind of work. Uh, some of them aren't quite too top-end Hollywood standards, but it's um, a bit of fun to watch and it's crazy imaginative. So 2.0 is something I would recommend because you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. Entheron had crazy special effects as well, but this one takes it to the next level from that. It's, um, it's a lot of fun. And again, seeing what other people are doing within genres that we like, is always a bit of fun and just stretching ourselves to encompass in our minds the tropes and the kind of beliefs and the worldview of another culture, which has 1.3 billion people in it. So we should pay attention at some stage. And if you're into cute female humanoid robots, then this movie's got something for you there as well. So that's about it. Let's start talking about the music. If, like me, you like albums by actors who can't sing, who do musical albums anyway, this one's for you. It's um, an actor who's famous, who's not known for singing, which is kind of fortunate because he doesn't do it very well. But he did an album of love songs anyway because what the fuck someone gave him money. Um, This one I'm going to back announce. By the way, um, in the last podcast I did play a track, sung by an actor, and I said this time around I would tell you who the actor is. Uh, That was Jeff Chandler. I'll play another track from the Jeff Chandler album for you as a part of this podcast, but the person singing on the last um, Paleo Cinema podcast was Jeff Chandler, but this one isn't Jeff Chandler. I'm going to back announce this one. The track itself has a kind of sacred name, Fall in Love in Rome. Now, it only runs two minutes and 48 seconds. So even though it may be unbearable, you're only going to have to bear it for that long. And you may well like it for the geeky value of it. I'm going to play it for you now, and then I'll back announce who it is right afterwards.
1: If you fall in love in Rome, they say your heart will have a humble- Ah, that's what romantic Romans say. And if you don't believe it, fall in love and Rome, and you will leave it never. Oh, sure. Charmed by bouquets of fat moon spray. Who'd have ever thought that it could happen? But it happened one fine morning. Suddenly, I heard bells. Bells started ringing without warning. Now, he now
0: my here my heart, heart will stay, stay
1: forever. forever. Where it's right at home with you. Just like that legend said I do. If I, if I would fall in love with If you fall in love in Rome, they say your heart will have a home forever. That's what romantic Romans say. Oh, really? And if you don't believe it, you try it. You fall in love in Rome, and you will leave it never. Charmed by the breeze of fountain spray. Listen, who'd have ever thought that it could happen to me? But it happened one fine morning. I'm walking down the street, and I hear bells. Bells, bells, bells started ringing without warning. And now, here, my heart will stay. Right at home with you, just like the legend said i do. If I would fall in love in Rome. Oh. What is it? The Avento Piazza Navona, the Pinciul Corso Trastevere, St. Peter's Square? Darling.
2: My role is you.
0: Yeah, so that was Anthony Quinn and now you understand why he didn't make a second album. I'm not sure whether they fitted the music to him or he just ignored the music when he was reading it out. but uh, there seem to be little bits where he seems to be going off reservation and doing his own thing uh, which makes it even more fun I suppose. but uh, yeah Anthony Quinn, I'm gonna have to listen to the rest of that album at some stage when I need a good laugh. I haven't done anything really transgressive on the podcast for a while, so it's probably about time that I put a transgressive track onto the music podcast. This one is by a cool duo called Garfunkel and Oates, uh, who are Ricky Lindholm and Kate Micucci, uh, who are Los Angeles actors and who do perform as Garfunkel and Oates. And this one doesn't really need any introduction because it's called the BJ song.
3: I've been down here such a long, long time My neck is at a weird angle and I don't love the view I've been working hard here, not sure what else to do Maybe I'll try eye contact Nope, no, eye contact, I feel like a creep Maybe it'll be over soon and I can go to <coughs> Ooh, I just jagged a hate check. <coughs> I did it again Who was the first woman to put a dick in her mouth? So avant-garde, what a pioneer God, I don't know anything about the history of women. If a hipster comes on someone's face, does he make it in a figure eight like little cum glasses? Pearl Vision. I want to make you feel good, and stopping now would feel kind of wrong. I want to make you feel good, but only if it doesn't take too long. What should I do? My mouth is so dry Is it considered lubricant if I start to cry? If my dad saw me now I would feel so bad Oh my god, stop thinking about my dad The length of time down here I'm willing to do Is directly proportional to how much I like you I feel like you should know that and hurry up Cause guess what? I don't like you that much Or maybe I do Who are you? I'm 36 years old and I forgot who I'm blowing I can't be down here any longer with not knowing You've got one of those dicks that I can't seem to place I'll pretend to take a deep breath and look up at your face (gasps) Oh! It's Derek! I wanna make you feel good And stopping now would feel kind of wrong I wanna make you feel good But only if it doesn't take too long What's that sound? <gasps> it's silence. I feel like I haven't heard silence in such a long time. Is this the first time I've stopped talking in like two years? Am I talking to fill the void of the great big empty? Am I always like me? <coughs> <coughs> so I don't have to face my fears. Do I really need a dick in my mouth to stop talking? Don't I ever shut the fuck up? God! I'm so sick of myself. I need to talk to my therapist about why I talk so much. Am I scared of
1: sight?
0: That worked you the fuck up, didn't it? It's from the Garfunkel Oats, album Secretions. And uh, they've got about five or six albums out there, so you can have a lot of fun checking them out if you are so inclined, if that grossed you out. Too fucking bad. So let's move on to something entirely different but still in the same gender area. Um, It's a bit unusual for a singer or a wannabe singer or an actor who puts out a musical album to get john ford to do the liner notes for the album but that happened john ford the great western director did wrote the liner notes for an album by maureen o'hara and i'm going to play you a track from it now maureen o'hara was an interesting actor for the simple reason that she was put into romantic leading roles and she was a beautiful redhead um nice figure lovely face could act but she was really oddly asexual. There there really wasn't a a deep emotional engagement with any of the men with whom she acted. Um, Yeah, she was kind of like a virgin princess in a weird way all the way into her middle age. Uh, But she did have a go at an album. And here is one of the track's love letters. And let me know what you think. Thing can be said about that particular track is that it's earnest. She really did try hard, but it kind of veered into slightly Florence Foster Jenkins territory for me just a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure who would listen to that album even in the 1950s when it was released, but somebody obviously did. Time for a fairly long track, but one in which I've got a kind of perverse fondness. Uh, I like the movie At Long Last Love, the Peter Bogdanovich musical using the music of Cole Porter and the vocal talents of people like, having said that, it is okay because they have some decent singer slash actors in there, uh, Madeleine Kahn's in there, Eileen Brennan, it kind of works uh, in a fucked up way and you've got to be in the right headspace to enjoy it. So I'm going to do the title track At Long Last Love Sung by the ensemble
2: Is it the rainbow Or just a mirage Will it be tender and sweet Or merely massage Is it a brainstorm its quirks? Or is it the best, the crest, the works? Is it for all time or simply a lark? Is it the lido I see
4: Joe.
1: Or is it at
3: long
2: last love? Is it an earthquake or simply a shock? Is it the good turtle soup or merely the mock? A cocktail, this feeling of joy, or is what I feel the real McCoy? Have I the right hutch, or have I the wrong? Will it be Bach I shall hear, or just a cold porter's song? Is it a fancy, not worth thinking of? Or is it at long, last, no. Is it a breakdown? Or is it a break? Is it a real porterhouse? Or only a stay? What can I count for? These strange pit-pats. Could
4: this be the dream, the cream, the cat?
2: Is it to rescue or is it to wreck? Is it an ache in the heart?
4: glass
0: See what I mean about that one, um, I'm going from there to something totally different 1960s Eurospy, uh, a genre of which I am inordinately fond, and a movie which has a great director, Joseph Losey, and totally fucked up the intellectual property upon which it was based. And of course, it's the 1966 movie Modesty Blaze, which totally ruined the characters and just did nothing to ensure the longevity of the intellectual property. I know that Quentin Tarantino has had the rights to do a Modesty Blaze movie for a very long time now. I'm not sure it's going to happen anytime soon. I think it would be a great um, franchise to do on maybe one of the streaming services, Netflix or something like that, if they can get the rights. Uh, I think it can work. Tough female secret agent. You've got to love that kind of thing. But here is the theme song to the 1966 version of Modesty Blaze, which isn't a bad little kind of poppy 1960s Eurospy kind of song. It works. Uh, It's got some really funky lyrics. And it's very much kind of zeitgeisty for that particular time and place. And I do like it. There were some cover versions done all across Europe by various singers. I know that Dalida did one in, uh, I think... Germany or France or Italy or one of those places but uh, here's the original version with music by Johnny Denkworth which kind of works for me
2: More. She's the dream you never found, but then you'll find
4: no time to dream at all whenever modesty's
1: around. Modesty,
0: modesty, she'll strike you dumb with just a single glance or just a single glancing blow. Exactly why she slays so many men No
2: man alive will ever know Modesty Modesty She'll turn your head Though she might use a judo pole And on her shoulders,
0: There's a chip made of solid gold you're a master of the underworld. You'll be accepted in her queue. She is the perfect
2: mistress of her art. She is the perfect mistress too. Modesty.
0: So we're kind of going to stay in the 1960s a bit, but very much different tone. Um, I'm not going to announce this one. I'm going to back announce it because it's, again, another train wreck. It's a clusterfuck. It's a dog's breakfast. It is all of those things rolled into one. And uh, apart from anything else, it's a kind of bad choice. Just because you get some level of fame doesn't mean you should put out an album. There are enough bad (laughs) examples of that to kind of lead actors in that direction. Uh, Bruce Willis's album kind of worked, The Return of Bruno, I liked that one. But this one doesn't, so I'll back announce it after I play the train wreck for you. <laughs>
2: ceiling fell in
4: yeah.
3: and the bottom fell out. Yeah. I went into a spin.
2: And I started to shout. Oh, I was shouting. Oh, oh, I was shouting stuff like, this is it. I, I've been hit. Oh, why do get my clothes dirty? Oh, I
4: know if I
1: a case accident. Why don't they like me? How can they be picking on me? Oh, God, what are we going to do? <sighs> oh, I didn't know what kind of trip I was on. <laughs>
2: Hot shot!
0: Birdwood wasn't even fucking trying there. I could do a better job. It is a train wreck to end all train wrecks. I'm not going to play any more of those novelty things in this particular podcast because I really want people to listen to the end of it, of course. But that one, I don't know whether he was drunk or just fucking stupid. It's a hard one to judge. I'm not even sure why the record company released it, probably because they hated his guts. It's the only possible explanation for that. So let's go for something a little bit mellower. A song from a Russ Meyer movie. Uh, This one's from Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, co-written by Roger Ebert. Uh, The track is by Stu Phillips, and it's kind of a bit of a mouthwash after that Burt Ward track. It's the theme from Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Yeah. fuck this does anybody want another garfunkel and oats track because i know i do so i'm gonna play another garfunkel and oats track because i like it i like women who talk dirty i like transgressive music and i'm gonna play it this one's a bit timely because it's called save the rich from their album called slippery when moist
3: And we need to band together and say we've had enough All the jobless people need to learn to be content Cause what we need to do is protect our 1% Save the rich, let them know you care Don't leave them to languish in their penthouse of despair Save the rich, let their bonuses be swollen And let them keep it all tax-free Even if it's stolen, save the rich Let's give our job creators more than their fair share So they can go to Asia and create jobs over there There's loopholes and exemptions and children to exploit So give them special tax breaks Go fuck yourself, Detroit! And those who don't create jobs really need help, too Cause without their seventh home, how will they make it through? It's not time for complaining, not the time for class war It's time to sacrifice yourself To give them more and more and more and more and more and more more. Save the rich! America's built on corporate greed It's not Wall Street's fault if you can't get what you need Save the rich! Don't go crying to mommy If you don't agree, then you're a socialist commie Save the rich Blame yourself for your problems, not the bad economy So what if those who have the most are the ones who put it in jeopardy? Fuck your student loans, fuck your kids and their health care It'll only take 10,000 of your jobs to put another private jet in the air Save the rich, it's so easy to do, just let yourself be ignorant to what's been done to you. Save the rich, by doing nothing at all, deny all sense and logic, and just think really small. You should think really small, or just don't think at all. And Save the rich.
0: By the way, Ricky Lindholm from uh, Garfunkel and Oates is in the new Ryan Johnson movie, Knives Out, the one with Daniel Craig in it, the murder mystery thing. So good on her. I mean, I like Garfunkel and Oats. I think they are a lot of fun, and they also um, satirise the people who need satirising. It's always punching upwards for those two. So good on them. Now for a bit more Eurospy music.
4: A kiss at the of love. So wild it could drive me insane.
0: That, as you know, is from the Fuller Report, the 1968 King Clark Eurospy movie, directed by Sergio Grieco, um, also known as Reporto Fuller, Basis Colomata. You know, on, on that King Clark, he was the guy who played Stew Pot in South Pacific and then somehow parlayed that into being a big, lunky, Eurospy kind of guy in a whole bunch of movies, Special Mission, Lady Chaplin, and things like that. Um, yeah, and I really like the way that a lot of those Eurospy songs in the late '60s. This one's from '68. Really tried to get a singer that was trying really at her hardest to sound like Shirley Bassey, and failing. So while we're on Europe, I found a decent copy. In fact, I found it on disc. Um, a movie from uh, sorry, a song from Jacques Demy's movie *Lola*, uh, starring Anouk Mi. It's actually *Chanson de Lola* sung by Jacqueline Dano, who dubbed for Anouk in in um, Jacques Demy's Lola. And I think it's kind of cool because the character is a nightclub cabaret artist in a very low market um, nightclub in Cherbourg or one of those places along the coast of France. And she's not supposed to be a great singer. And so... And Nuke me put it across, she was wearing a bustier and looking incredibly lovely. And this is the song that her character sang while she was rehearsing for her nightclub act. Lola also turned up in the 1968 Jacques Demy film Model Shop with Gary Lockwood, and I mentioned that in the previous podcast. So here it is: Chanson de Lola. Mm
5: Lola, celle qui rit à tout propos, celle qui dit l'amour, c'est beau, celle qui plaît sans plaisanter, reçoit sans les dédommager, les hommages des hommes âgés, les bravos des braves gars, les hurrahs, les viens avec moi, celle qui rit de tout cela, qui veut plaire et sans tenir là, c'est moi, c'est moi Lola. V'la bateau, v'la samedi, v'la des matelots. On va tourner, on va danser, on va flirter sans y penser. On va rire et virevolter, mais... mais quand elle met le holà, quand elle leur dit ça va comme ça, tiens-toi bien, moi je m'en tiens là. C'est moi, c'est moi, lola. Dos, tout enfoncé dans ses pensées de soi. si vous les connaissiez, un énorme espoir recensé, celle qui n'ouvrira ses bras qu'à celui qu'elle reconnaîtra entre mille, entre cent ou trois, à qui elle dira Toi, 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 c'est moi, c'est moi, Lola.
0: music by michelle legrand so i'm going to finish with a um, song that was in a computer game bioshock 2 Uh, bioshock and bioshock 2 had a great pair of soundtracks using lots of 20th century music slightly obscure in some cases kind of obvious in others but you've got to give them credit for going there and doing a deep dive into popular culture this one is Connie Boswell's version of I Covered a Waterfront. After that, I'll give you the credits for the podcast and I'll sign out. So anyway, next time I'm going to be talking about two movies, so there's no problem with that. In the meantime, look after yourselves. Watch some good movies. Watch some bad movies. Watch any movie you like as long as it doesn't start with Lucasfilms in the title. And I'll catch you guys next time around. So here we go, Connie Boswell with I Cover the Waterfront, which is a really good version of it.
2: Away from the city that hurts and mocks, I'm standing alone by the desolate dock. In the still and the chill of the night I see the horizon, the great unknown My heart has an ache, it's as heavy as stone Will the dawn coming on make it light? I cover the waterfront I'm watching the sea the one I love be coming back to me. I cover the waterfront in search of my love, and I'm covered by a starless sky above. waiting hoping and longing oh how I've yearned where are you are you forgetting do you remember will you return I cover the water front I'm watching the sea for the one I love must soon back to me.
0: And as always, I still haven't put Rich Chamberlain into the credits, but all credit to Rich for being a Patreon supporter of the podcast. Here we go. Here are the credits for Paleo Cinema Podcast and Martian Drive-In Podcast, done in a style of movie credits to honour the people who support this Podcast. Thank you to Tom, the focus puller, Sarah, the special effects technician, Ian, the caterer, Grant, the Technicolor consultant, Claire, the script doctor, Gary, the prop master, Morris, the musical director, Jan, the dialect coach, Armin, our key grip, Matt, the rattlesnake wrangler, Elaine, our scientific advisor, Julia, our casting director. Chris, our camera operator. Christopher, our gaffer. Miss Jane, our wardrobe mistress. Tansy, our foley artist. Alyssa, our location scout. Mark, our second unit director. Paul, our special makeup effects director. Tammy, the donut wrangler. Tim, our New York unit director. Rabbi Steve, our spiritual advisor. Uh, Steve Sullivan, our director of monster effects; Dylan, our goat Wrangler, Eric, our set security lead; Richard H, our set photographer; Mark D, our extra; and David L, our extra; Kerry H, who is the accountant; and our newest supporter, Gary J, who is a CG effects technician. So, thank you very much to all of the supporters of the podcast. We really appreciate you dipping into your purses and helping out with the podcast.